0: more of the backstory on our patreon page with exclusive interviews outtakes and the lost controversial backstory podcast you can only get here support on the backstory bonus level welcome to the backstory podcast i'm your host colby cole thank you for subscribing please make sure you leave a comment and a rating and make sure you spread the word to your friends and family Also, let's talk on social media, at BackstoryPCC on all socials, and you can get me, at Colby Colb, that's C-O-L-B-Y-C-O-L-B on Twitter, and at official OfficialColbyColb on Instagram and Facebook. This episode is Jay-Z, the making of a businessman. I'm going to take you on a ride through the early years of Jay-Z's career, through several interviews we did together. The title once again of this episode is The Making of a Businessman. Why did I title it that? Well, I'm going to give you some backstory on his early days as an artist and how he was in mogul mode before he sold any records. And the moves that he was making at that time were groundbreaking. I will also give you some insight as well at what was happening at that time. Things were very different then from where we are now. Some of you will laugh out loud, while others will start Googling things I'm going to say. And in the midst of all of that, I'll give you a few homework assignments. I'm a first-generation hip-hop head. I had a successful run as a radio personality in Philadelphia in the 90s and 2000s. A few years into my radio career, as a brash and bold board op slash producer with no on-air experience, I had a deep love for hip-hop. I was one of the youngest people working at the station, and I felt my peers were missing out on the cool things happening with hip-hop and with young people. So I stepped to my PD, that would be the program director, and I pitched a show called Radioactive. At the time, there was no commercial outlet for hip-hop in Philadelphia. Radioactive was now that outlet. It was on this show that I developed relationships with artists, producers, and future executives. And one of the um, most interesting artists that I ever came across was Jay-Z. And I did a lot of interviews with Jay-Z. In fact, Philadelphia was the first big market outside of New York to embrace Jay-Z. And in between these interviews, I got a chance to kind of get to know him. And I have a bunch of stories of that time in hip-hop and uh, some backdrop on uh, Jay-Z. And I'm going to share these interviews with you. So let's get it started. (laughs) First time I ever saw Jay-Z, he was really just another guy in a novelty rap video in the late 80s. There was a song Hawaiian Sophie by Jazzo that was playing on Video Jukebox. Now, Video Jukebox was a channel on cable where you had to order the video you wanted to see. The labels would kind of order songs over and over again, and a lot of novelty songs became hits across the country. This was actually one of the early days of when hip-hop from regions would expand to other parts of the country because East Coast kind of ran everything. For instance, there was uh, a video from an artist named Sir Mix-A-Lot that played over and over again called My Posse on Broadway. But when you're from the East Coast, that stuff was kind of corny, right? But then you would see this video and then you would have a new understanding of hip-hop from other areas. So, you know, everybody watched The Box. And The Box was really a place where you could, you know, really see all kind of cool hip-hop songs and and develop, you know, a connection to the artist. This is before... The internet, this is before social media. And this this channel exposed regional artists. Like, I remember there was this song from an artist out of Miami named Anquette, and it was called, I Will Always Be There For You. I know you have no idea who that is. Um, but as the internet dawned, the box ended up kind of going away. And actually, MTV thought it was a challenge and bought the box, and it eventually became MTV2. So I wanted to give you that little tidbit. So back to Hawaiian Sophie, it was a really goofy little video, and it was actually kind of interesting because Jay-Z would kind of pop down in scenes with with ropes wrapped around him. Uh, He would have a few seconds here, a few seconds there. Now, growing up in the 80s, in the early days of hip-hop, New York dominated for the first 10 years. We're talking about Grandmaster Flash, you know, Run-DMC, Houdini, the Beastie Boys, Public Enemy. Philly was always the next big city to embrace the music and the artists, and Philly Had our own groups as well. We had Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Steady B, Three Times Dope. The rest of the country quickly embraced hip-hop. But then, everything changed. The West Coast really took off with the success of Gangsta Rap led by NWA, which included Dr. Dre, E.Z.E. e and Ice Cube, which dramatically changed the hip-hop landscape. It all swung back east, though, around 92, 93. It was the rebirth. I call it the renaissance. I'm talking about Nas, Big E, Wu-Tang, Busta Rhymes starting with leaders at a new school, then as a solo artist. But in the background, Jay-Z was dutifully taking notes and preparing the most massive career of them all. Remember, I heard him on Hawaiian Sophie, but didn't really know who he was. In 1994, there was a group called Original Flavor that was basically an array of different MCs. They were on their second album. They hadn't had much success to that point, but there were two songs on the second album that stood out to me. One was Many Styles and a song called Can I Get Open. What stood out to me was Jay-Z. He was unlike any MC I had heard at that time. I mean, he rapped so fast, but the lyrics were so clear and on point. Plus, he was bold and cocky. I like these songs a lot, and I played them on my show. But it was Can I Get Open that just, like, I mean, he just, the track was great. Shout out to Ski, because he did a great, incredible job on that, for that track. But I mean, this just this one line. He said, brothers are having a hard time with who I am. Jay kicking it, A ripping it way past Y. I'm so crazy. Ah, the guy had poise. He had swag before it was swag. Braggadocious is what you would call him. Can I Got Open was a hot song. In the 90s, the Greek picnic was a really big deal here in Philadelphia for young African-Americans along the East Coast. Everybody would come to Philadelphia the second week of July, and whoever the biggest hip hop artists were, they would come to the Greek picnic every year. One of hip hop's first super groups was the Gravediggers, and they released an album in the summer of 1994. Um, the Gravediggers consisted of the Rizza from Wu Tang and fellow super producer Prince Paul. You might have known him from Stetsasonic, but his first uh, solo producing claim to fame was the De La Soul Project, uh, and then Fruit Quan from Stetsasonic and the Late Poetic. Uh, if you're a hip-hop head and you're not up on this group, I suggest you download the album right now. It is a classic, and a lot of people don't talk about uh, the Gravediggers. Um, they labeled their music Horrorcore, and it stood for resurrecting the mentally dead from their state of unawareness and ignorance. So as— um, current-day hip-hop goes, these guys were way ahead of their time. So homework assignment number one from this podcast is to go and download Six Feet Deep, Grave Digger's album. I promise you the production, the lyrics, everything, it's a classic. So anyway, the Gravediggers were headlining my Greek Picnic show. City was excited. The album was coming out a few weeks later. Also on the show, I had Original Flavor. I booked them based on the strength of Jay-Z because, A, I wanted to see him perform because I had never seen him perform before, um, but also they just had a hot song that summer, and I wanted to make sure they were a part of this. Uh, I believe we had Rampage the Last Boy Scout on this show, and he was Busta Rhymes' protege, and Busta was there for support. I was trying to meet Jay-Z that night, because, uh, but but me being in promoter, host mode, I didn't even get a chance to see him perform. I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I do remember the grave Diggers killed it that night. Fast forward later that fall, Big Daddy Kane released his um, album Daddy's Home, and one of the songs on the album was kind of cool. It had Kane, Shaheen the Rugged Child, who was like uh, an an artist out of the Wu-Tang camp, Sauce Money, ODB, and Jay-Z again. So here's Jay-Z on another track. And he really stood out on this track. I mean, this was a posse track in Brooklyn. This was a big—actually, this album for Big Daddy Kane was a big deal because Big Daddy Kane— He had been on Cold Chillin' for years, so this was his first major label outside of Cold Chillin'. I believe it was MCA, and I remember he got almost like a million-dollar advance, which was like a huge deal back in the day. So this album was a big deal, and then he kind of had this posse cut with all these young up-and-coming artists on it, including Jay-Z. And again, he stood out. He seemed to take shots at current rappers without saying their names. He was very confident. Show & Prove was definitely an interesting song. I could not wait to hear him on his own records. So now that I've told you about the first few years of Jay-Z's career, let's fast forward to the summer of 1995. Biggie was a superstar on the East Coast with Puff having his back. Tupac was in jail and couldn't come up with the bail, and he was stuck in jail in upstate New York. Jay-Z releases his first single, In My Lifetime, and so as a first-time single, and they worked it at radio, I remember hearing it. I, I really didn't care for the song, but then I saw the video. And again, there was something about Jay-Z because this guy like was not like most up-and-coming artists. I mean, first of all, most New York MCs, it would be posse videos with a bunch of dudes nodding their heads with Tim's on, baggy clothes, dreads. And it wasn't a lot of women. If it'd be, they'd be drinking 40s. But here's this guy. He was in Saint Thomas on yachts with beautiful women drinking, like Cristal, and not 40 ounces in the bag. I mean, this guy and his crew was different. And you know, we would all sit back and like, well, who is this guy? Because everybody knew to this day, it's kind of the same way. Most rappers are broke. But this guy was rolling in this lavish lifestyle and unlike any other rapper, and then he was kind of talking at the same time. After I saw the video, I really started to kind of get into the song and listening to the lyrics and you know this one line just kind of got me while niggas are shooting stupid i'm carefully plotting ways to make it rotten well-planned hits until you're long forgotten y'all niggas that utilize my style don't hurt me because on the low half of these rapping ass niggas want to work for me you gotta laugh out loud like who the hell is this guy said most rappers at that time and i'm sure they never saw him coming my first jay-z interview was 10 months before reasonable doubts release Dame and Jay were on an East Coast run to meet all the DJs. And they came to the station, and I'll never forget this, in twin Lexus GS coupes. Now, I'm a car guy. And let me tell you, they came through, New York plates, tinted up, rimmed up actually, several months later, Jay used these cars in the Dead Presidents video. So if you go to YouTube and pull up the Dead Presidents, you will see the car that I'm talking about. Now, of course, when they pulled up, the trunk was full of their records because that's how they promoted when they went up and down the East Coast. So why am I dwelling on the cars? In those days, only the biggest artists would have like the fancy cars. For an up and coming artist with no hit record yet, it was surprising to see a flashy whip. I remember the year prior to this, Keith Murray showing up at the station in his Lexus SC400 that was in his first video for the most beautiful thing in the world. You can Google that as well and see the video and you'll see the car that I'm talking about. Or an established artist like Busta Rhymes. I remember him coming to the station in a big body Benz coupe with the illest rims ever. On the other side, one time Chuck D came to the station in an old Ford Bronco, but the system he had was like being at a concert. So again, I'm dwelling on these cars, but I really wanted to paint the picture of hip hop at that time. And again, go to YouTube and get the video and you'll see these cars that I'm talking about. So I interviewed a lot of artists on Radioactive, especially new and independent artists, but Jay-Z really stood out. I remember them coming into the station. They were just so confident as they entered the studio, like they were super, stars dame right next to him their whole team and they were just like focused so this is my first official time meeting jay-z and actually he was kind of nervous for the interview um they were new to radio promotion at that point but who knew that night that he would do a freestyle over raekwon's epic criminology beat that would end up going viral 15 years later and considered one of his best freestyles so here is my first jay-z interview September first, nineteen
1: ninety five. Got my man Jay Z in the house. What's up, kid? What it is? What it is? What's going on,
2: player? Man, I'm What's just going chilling, on? chilling, chilling. Okay. I'm full right now. Okay. <laughs> Having one of them uh, cheese steaks. You know what y'all? <laughs> oh yeah, a cool. little grub in yeah, Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, why don't
1: you tell a little bit? Uh, uh, tell, I'm stuttering all night. Tell the people <laughs> <laughs> a little bit about your background in hip hop, because uh, people probably heard of you
2: before, but I know they heard of you before. So tell them where you're from, kid. I, um, you know, I'm originally from Brooklyn, you know? I started out this rap thing, me and my man Jazz. I did a couple of things with him on his album and things like that. But, you know, I ain't really pursue it like that. You know, I went away and got into other things. And then, uh, you know, a fella by the name of Kane, you know, he was calling, trying to get in contact with me. And I came back and I did a little something on his album. You know, we was working on Sunday and he went, you know, had his little bit of troubles, you know? And I was like, yeah, let me get into this. you know? Okay. So I, I I first put out In My Lifetime on my own label. Uh-huh. And me and my man Dame Dash, my partner, you know? Right. We put that out. Then uh Payday picked up the project. Okay. Um, Alright, um, now before that, we can't forget about original flavor. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you my totally on. On people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I met them through my current manager Dame Dash. He also manages Original Flavor, and that's how that jam came about. So, okay. anyway, I think you know, yo, B, I'm in can I get play. open? You, you know it, it. alright. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's the flavor. Yeah. You got a nice little style to you. Your freestyler I mean, well, your your rap
2: style rather. Yeah, it's pretty fly, yo. I got some things for these people. You What's know? up with the album? Is it coming I'm, out? Yeah, we working on that now. No, we just don't, uh, we ain't consummate the label thing, right? I might wanna put on Rockefeller records, you uh-huh. know, not payday records, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that, is, now what is up with Rockefeller records? That's your label? Yeah, me and Dame Dash, we okay. started that. We got an artist coming out right now by the name of Roughness, she's ill. Okay.
1: And I saw your video for In My Lifetime. The, I guess this was the first time, the first on Rockefeller Records, the first one yeah. you did. Where'd yeah. you do that at, man? It looked like some old California joke. Yeah, we went out to St. Thomas. We flew girls out there and everything. Oh, really? We had a great time. Yeah, looked that we just video, got was, remix, that video <laughs> was live, yo. Wait to see the remix, man.
3: Okay. I'll tell you what, you want to do a little you want to do
1: a little uh, freestyle, kid? Yeah, we getting to that. Okay. No, DJ Ran in the back, yo. Let's get on this freestyle session, kid. Jay-Z, represent, yeah. yo. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
2: Here we go. To everybody in Philadelphia, uh uh-huh. Get your tapes ready. New York City, Brooklyn. And we don't stop, keep it on, Hunter, and we won't quit, it's like this, y'all, and we don't stop, Jay-Z, rap, shock it. check it, uh, I get deep and dark like ditches, but when I rap, I come off like that without the glitches, never cross the black cat with the riches, I'm leaving Stevie saying, no wonder y'all superstitious, beef, I'm with it, simple, y'all can all get it y'all don't all get it. Don't nobody your mind for this matter. Can gather the data until your mind don't matter. I bubble like lather. Hustle like the lead-off batter. Cause all that matters is this money till it ain't funny. You feel me? When the beat screams, kill me. Don't jerk me, boy. I rip it silly. I let you rise, of course, but if you don't fall off on your own MCs, I cut off at the knees like shorts. It gets worse if you don't care for my sick thoughts like a nurse. With no, no remedy. I'm leaving boys and men on bended knee to the End of the road I lock, low Forget this record shit With one cell My <laughs> <laughs> Yo, fuck yeah, <laughs> Check it out The nerve For these herbs Y'all know we swerve from the curb And the L.E.X. The best observed <laughs> I'm splashing, splurging, dashing, that's my word, you know? Champagne glasses crashing, can't ration, used to having a whole lot, so dumb, I blow a lot, had a <laughs> buck 50 while you was still taking Skippy to school, ran with one of them cats that heist, Tiffany's for them jewels, back when Duke was jumping out of cabs and crush groove, I was scheming and plot mostly, dreaming a lot, but look what it got me, four cars in, 400,000 shots later, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jay-Z representing, yeah. yeah. Shout out the curse up here, you okay.
0: know. <laughs> so that was my first experience meeting Jay Z and my first Jay Z interview. It was literally like a four minute interview, but that freestyle was epic. Shout out to my man DJ Ran. We loved Criminology by Raekwon. I liked it because it had the Scarface clips in it, and it was a little explicit, so it was kind of like cool and kind of like risque. So that night was my first time, and definitely after that interview, Jay Z was on my radar. We made contact, and the listeners would really ask about them. And if you can hear in the interview. You know, him talking about his first album, him talking about not sure what the label situation was going to be. Like, again, but you could hear they were operating like moguls. They were very independent, whereas most artists, and still today a lot of artists, are so reliant on labels sometimes. He wasn't really relying on a label. He had a plan of action. And, you know, that night really started to develop uh, a connection with the city of Philadelphia. Philly just... Connected automatically to Jay-Z. If you ever ask Jay-Z, he'll tell you that Philly is like a second home to him. And he would come to Philadelphia sometimes just to hang out. But he definitely had a fan base here. And we kind of started a trend. So let's fast forward to 96. So that was September of 1995. Let's fast forward to 1996. To me, 96 is one of the most pivotal years in hip-hop. So many classic albums came out that year. That winter, Pac dropped, All Eyes on Me. The West Coast, East Coast beef was all the talk. Everybody was kind of, like, talking about that. But Jay-Z kind of started the year off with a song that was almost like a warning shot heard across hip-hop. Dead Presidents. With the B-side, Ain't No Nigga. I loved the song the moment I heard it. I mean, the ski beat, the lyrics. Then he dropped the video. Remember, I I mentioned earlier in his In My Lifetime video was kind of over-the-top for 1995 but here he had, you know, beautiful girls and yachts on that video. Now in this new video, he's got some of the biggest rappers. I mean Biggie, Little C's, A Z was in this video, lots of crystal. Again, they weren't drinking forties. They were not your average-looking rappers, and again, he's not on a major label. He's not had tremendous success, but listening to Dead Presence, I fell in love with the song, and the lyrics kind of stood out. My rise to riches, surprise the bitches, think harder. You know this nigga, Jay-Z, Sean Carter, G-S the F up, dress the F up, watch me shine like a brightling, begets the F up. All rhymers, forget it like Alzheimer's. Small timers, I said it. I'm addressing all dramas. Talk to me. You see what I'm saying? Like, what was a what was a, a Brightling watch? You're like, nobody knew where the begets were. Like, people weren't talking about stuff like that. He was ahead of where the current rap scene was. So in the Dead Presidents videos, you see helicopters, butter leathers, the Lexus I was telling you about, and the final scene with Biggie, who at that time was one of the biggest rappers in the world, playing Monopoly with real money. They had a bevy of Cristal bottles, not no 40 ounces. Jay-Z was on some other shit. He performs in this video with the World Trade Center buildings in the background. Biggie yelling, who shot ya?" While rolling the dice, an obvious shot at Tupac. Ain't No Nigga beat was the same beat as EPMD used for their debut single, It's My Thing. And Jay and Foxy were magical. I actually got a plaque for Dead Presidents Ain't No Nigga. Those two songs made Jay-Z one highly anticipated artist. I remember calling Dame and asking him to come down and do my show again, but I also wanted them to do a, do a show, because I wanted to see him perform live. And I used to do these late night concerts at this spot in North Philly called New Alternatives. It was like deep in the middle of the hood, and it was a place where folks that, it was a non-alcoholic spot, so you could stay open all night, and... Uh, Folks would go there, and I worked out a deal with the owner so that we could bring shows after the radioactive show. So we would come down there at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and do concerts. I had Jay-Z open up for Dougie Fresh that night. This was several weeks after the release of Dead Presidents. This was not reasonable doubt yet, so now we're starting to hear that this this album coming soon, like it was supposed to come that spring. So this is my second interview with Jay-Z. This is March 8th, 1996 you'll notice a much more confident Jay-Z, much more sure of himself. It was like he knew he was going to be a star. You could hear the vision for the label, vision for the videos, the politics of the labels, the beginnings of Rockefeller. This is the first time he talks about reasonable doubt.
1: Well, you know how we do a radioactive. Anybody can show up, and my man Jay Z just walked into the studio. Yo, I'm yo. talking dead presidents. Kid. What's the deal, yo? What's going on, Jay Z? Uh, I'm maintaining. Talk, talk to the people in Philly, man. Let them know what's going on with what's you. What's going kid. on, Philadelphia? Yeah, okay. Now you got the brand new single out. Dead Presidents. Now first of all, I gotta give you your props, man. Your videos is all that, yo. Who yeah, comes we, up, who comes up with them
2: concepts for the videos? We come up with the concept, you know, we can't direct yet. Right. As of yet, but in a minute, we gonna start directing, so we just, you know, we feed the ideas to the directors. Right. You know what I mean? Just come out the way we wanted to. Okay. You know? Okay. Directly, we gonna give him some credit, you he know, he, he's a good editor. <laughs> <laughs> man, now nah, you just got the fly videos and you
1: got, tell the people, tell some of the people who's in this video for Dead Presidents. Uh, you and know, tell them the concept of the song Because people, a lot of people want to know what's going on with that Tell them what it's about Uh Their
2: presidents is just, you know It's, it's basically self-explanatory, you know I, I feel the only time presidents is good For black people is when they dead Right <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to start no controversy Maybe, not, maybe. It's all good. You know what I mean but A lot it's of cats good. came down, you know, support We got Notorious Big You know, uh AZ came down um, Right Lil' C's, Junior mm-hmm. Mafia, mm-hmm. Smoother Hustler, right? Came down, you know. So in the song though, you you trying to
1: like uh, you making statements in the song though about specific things, right? Yeah, I'm like right. like like dude that's, that says I want to make money like like I guess I can't explain it. The the concept of the video.
2: I mean, it's just real life situation. You know, you got mm-hmm. people who want money like Cosby, but who right. wouldn't? You right, know, right, I mean right, that's right, that's. Right. that's that goes without saying. Everybody okay. want money like Cosby. Okay. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of repercussions that come with that. Right, right, You know what right, I mean? Right. A lot of different things with that lifestyle. Okay. You know, if they choose to lead that, you know, I mean, I know a little something about it. You okay. know what I mean? So okay. I'm going to tell you, if it's a, it's a guy behind a third door waiting with a hatchet, you're going to cut your head off. You know, I'm going to let you know it's a guy behind a third door with a hatchet. You know, right. It's up to you. If you right. walk down that street, it's up to you. Okay. All, All right. right. Now, so, tell
1: everybody. Now, you want to... Different label or something now, right? Or you yeah, can tell yeah. Tell everybody about that, cause before we got on,
2: it was, uh, like something else. W- what is it now? I was on Payday for one hot minute. Yeah, very hot minute. Yeah, but they wasn't doing, they wasn't doing right. Okay. You know, at first we we originally released the In My Lifetime joint on Rockefeller, Rockefeller, you right. Know, so in the 12th hour, they figured they'd come get it. You know what I mean? Since okay. They had the buzz, you know, and get all the money from it. Right. You know what I mean? Without spending money. Right. So you know that didn't work out. That wasn't a good relationship for us. So mm-hmm. we broke out from that, mm-hmm. you know. We built Rockefeller, and we never left Rockefeller alone. You know, we right. still had that. We put out another joint. We got uh, distribution with Priority. Mm-hmm. It's a good marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. We how'd you hook up with Priority all the way out there in LA? Well, actually, my man uh, standing right here, Ray Ray, he set up the meeting. You know, we went through uh my man Will over at Freeze and uh, we just all connected. Okay. Alright, okay. okay. So you feel a bit better about this situation? I'm 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 feeling great right now. Okay, now like when this is present album, time? I'm album coming out. When is it coming out? Okay. Uh we looking at late April. Okay, and what's it gonna be crazy. called? Reasonable jobs.
0: As I mentioned earlier, 1996 was a great year for hip-hop music. Besides Pac dropping All Lies on Me, he put out another classic album, Machiavelli. The Fugees dropped a score. It Was Written came out from Nas, Illadelph Half-Life from the Roots, Red Man's Muddy Waters, Busters The Coming, Day Lies, Stakes Is High, Outkast, AT Aliens, Ghostface Iron Man. I mean, think about all of those amazing artists in 1996. It was really a good year for the culture. But on June 25th, 1996, it was Jay-Z's debut of Reasonable Doubt that resonated the most for me. A true New York East Coast MC and a great storyteller, this album set hip-hop on fire. I mean, the second cut, politics as usual, first got my attention. You ain't seen money in your life. When it comes to this cheese, y'all like three blind mice. I'm smoking bros who pump Willie. I expose the furthest you chilies has been is the Poconos. I find that so funny. He was calling out rappers talking about what they had done and where they had been. He really seemed so authentic. And for those that don't know, the Poconos line was really funny because it's the mountains of Pennsylvania. It's like an hour away from New York. So you think you're going somewhere, but you're really just going to the Poconos. And that's the furthest you ever been where this guy is filming videos in St. Thomas. He's got helicopters. I mean, he is clearly on another plane. Then there was was feeling it, again, like he was teaching a class to rappers. He's a new artist. There were so many big artists out at the time, and here he comes with this album and this swag. He also just had a team, a family organization, and he took care of everyone in his circle, unlike most rappers at the time whose entourage would at some point hurt their career and not enhance it. Think about Tupac and what happened in the hotel and the rape case. You know, his entourage had a lot to do with what happened there. You know, another thing about rappers... And I still, to this day, a lot of them don't understand it. You keep all these people around you. But if you don't take care of these people, like, they're going to be doing a lot of different things in in your name and could cause you a lot of problems. Jay-Z and Dame operated a little bit differently when it came to the Rockefeller team. And Feeling It was just such a great record. Based on what I just said about entourage and team and people, listen to this lyric from Feeling It. If every nigga in your clique is rich, your clique is rugged. Nobody will fall because everyone will beat each other's crutches. I hope you fools choose to listen. I drop jewels, bust it. These are the rules I follow in my life. You gotta love it. Jiggy Jigga looking gully in the joint. If y'all niggas ain't talking about large money, what's the point? Woo-hoo-hoo! Wow. This album, I mean, from top to bottom, it was just a classic. But my personal reasonable doubt favorite was Can I Live? Storytelling at its best. This is his story in a nutshell. The lyrics were deep and direct. The production was like a movie. You could play it out in your head as you listen. He builds you up to the crescendo. Check these lyrics out. The streets school us to spend our money foolish, bond with jewelers, and watch for intruders. I stepped it up another level, mediated like a Buddhist, recruited lieutenants with ludicrous dreams of getting cream. Let's do this. It gets tedious. So I keep one eye open like CBS. Wow. The moment this album was released. He was a hood household name. You got cool points if you were down with Reasonable Doubt. It was in every car driving down the street. The drug dealers felt they had a hero who understood their lifestyle. The struggles of selling dope, the ups and downs, the pains, the success. If you were an up-and-coming rapper, like he was just an inspiration. And again, he just kind of came, built up a small career, and it just all poured out on this classic album, Reasonable Doubt. So he was coming back to Philly for a vibe party during Greek Picnic weekend the summer of 1996. I was hosting this party, so I arranged for him to call into my show. This was three weeks after the release of Reasonable Doubt. He had been in California for a week. Now, keep in mind, there was still an East Coast, West Coast drama earlier that year in March of 1996 at the Soul Train Music Awards. There was a confrontation between Puff, Big, Pac, and Sug. I mean, it was tense. Uh, It wasn't ideal for an East Coast artist to be in Cali, and Jay-Z was affiliated with Biggie. So this was two months before the death of Tupac, and Pac had dissed Jay-Z, too. Jay had been out there all week in Cali. He was going up and down uh, the coast doing shows. He was seeing success right before his eyes. Again, he was unlike any rapper out at that time, and he actually wrote an epic diss record at Pac that was never released out of respect because Pac had died several months later. But this was July 12th, 1996. This is my third Jay-Z interview. It's a very quick interview. You can hear a more confident, um, a bit more, a bit overwhelmed by the response of the album. But a star, a mogul was born.
2: My phone is ringing. Who's this? Yo, yo, what up? Jay Z. Jay Z. the
1: deal? A Rockefeller, y'all. That's right. What's up, Jay? What's going on?
2: I'm calling. Cool I'm calling cool out here.
1: First of all, I got to give you much props on the Reasonable Doubt album. You finally put it out. It's making mad noise out there around the U.S. of the A. You selling mad units, man. How's it feel to finally get it out there in the open?
2: Oh, uh, man. Everything is wonderful, man. We
1: get love from all over. I mean, it's like, it's like good, man. It's a great thing. Okay, now tomorrow night you're coming to Philadelphia for an album release party with Vibe Magazine at 3801 Market Street. What kind of flavor can people expect from Jay-Z?
2: Oh, uh, man, if you heard the album, I'm, I'm trying to bring, I'm trying to bring a couple of cuts on the album, trying to do some stuff, or, you know what I mean? I got a show, man. I put it okay. together. show is very important. Okay. I mean, because these are people that bought your album. They want to come and see how you are going to put it down.
1: Okay. You know? Definitely going to represent tomorrow night doing your thing. The new album is called Reasonable Doubt. It's kind of hot, man. What's going to be the next single? Uh, J joint can't knock the hustle. Can't knock the hustle. Yeah. oh uh, I like that flavor. Yeah, we are gonna go with that one. Okay, now what's the deal with this joint you did with Biggie,
2: Brooklyn's finest? Oh yeah, you know we had to put it down for Brooklyn one time. Okay. Right. Uh, How
1: does it feel making records with Biggie and all the other artists? Well, who are some of the other artists that are on your
2: album? Well, that's about it. We got uh um, Mary J, Biggie, and uh Foxy Brown. You know my man Jazz of course. So much right. money and you know my little man Memphis Bleak. Right. Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: Well, that sounds kind of fat, man. So you definitely going to be in Philly Town. Where you at right now? I'm
2: in L.A. right now. Oh, uh, here
1: he go. A Rockefeller, y'all. Yo. Yeah. You got a man. show in L.A. tonight? Where you performing at?
2: Um, I think it's spot called, it's like the California Free Fest out here, something, man. Oh, I mean, really? I mean, like, we've been out here all week. I mean, like, two shows a night, and it's just it's packed, like, crazy. I mean, really? Like, they're showing crazy love out here. <laughs> oh, that's good. What up? Okay.
0: So, the next night at that vibe party, the promoter was acting a little shady, and I remember this because this has never really happened else in my career, and I've been doing this for a long time. So Jay-Z got his money because his crew wasn't playing that. They were going to get his money. He looked at me, and he saw that I was a little stressed out because I had banked on this money for hosting this event, and it looked like I was going to get screwed. But he's a G, and his team was a G. I remember his man, and I can't remember his man's name because he's he's related to him because he looks like him. But he said, is you are you okay? And I was like, well, you know, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, get my money or whatever. And he said, hold hold on, hold on a second. And and basically they refused to perform until I got paid. And no artist has ever done anything like that for me, ever. Artists usually don't care. Nobody cares about nobody else's money. But they had a really good team. And to me, this was the beginning of the Rockefeller run. And I understood the closeness of everybody. I understood how it was important that everybody was taken care of. And if they felt that you was a supporter, you were like family. I mean, Dane would come down all the time just to play music or he would take me and my program director and all of us out to lunch just because he just wanted to show love and show support because Philly was really a big supporter of uh, Jay-Z. Okay, so I painted the picture for you for reasonable doubt. So let's fast forward a few months as the album continues to be an overwhelming success in 1996. With all of those other great albums as a backdrop, Hip-hop was in a really good place. However, the winds of hip-hop were about to go through a catastrophic change. Tupac was shot and later died on September 13, 1996. Six months later, on March 9, 1997, the notorious B.I.G. was murdered on the streets of Los Angeles. The deaths of both of these artists stunned hip-hop. There was so much growth up until that moment, and a lot of people thought this was it for the genre, but it ended up being a pivot. In his last interview, a few days before he died, Biggie gave a big shout out to Jigga. It's like he ordained him the next great rapper in that moment.
1: Before we go, give shouts, give love to whoever you need to give shouts to. Oh,
2: All my, my daughter, Tiana, my son,
1: CJ, my whole fam, you know what I'm saying? The whole good fellas, the whole commission.
0: In a lot of his concerts following the death of Biggie, as his star was ascending, he would play that clip at his concerts. Let's fast forward to October 1997. Jay-Z was on the eve of releasing his second album, In My Lifetime, Volume 2. Once again, he was on his East Coast run with Dame. These guys would just want to come and hang out. And so we would hang out. But it was a different time than the time that we live in right now. And I'll tell you this funny story. So we had dinner in South Philly the same night that we were doing the interview. We met for dinner before the interview. And then he came to the station later. But we're at this restaurant. We're at a steakhouse in South Philly. I'm having dinner with Jay-Z and Dame. And I had some other people from the station that was, you know, we were all just kind of sitting there you know, having dinner. And I was a pretty well-known personality in Philadelphia for being on the radio. So here I am sitting with Jay and Dame and people are coming over to me, not knowing who these guys were until I introduced them. And then the people would get so excited. Oh my God, Jay Z Dame. Oh my God. Like they didn't have a visual because this was before the internet, social media, I mean, it was just a different time in hip hop. And it's actually you could be somebody like that and kind of kind of roll free. Some people would recognize you, but a lot of people wouldn't know. They wouldn't have that connection. So I remember I had after we had dinner, I went back to the station. And when I pull up, there were these two beautiful Philippine women standing at the back door of the station. And I've never seen these girls before in my life in Philly. And I had. Pride prided myself and kind of knowing all the beautiful women in Philadelphia and kind of like knew all the secret women in Philadelphia. I kind of knew the whole thing. But I remember saying, oh, my God, who are these beautiful girls? Me and my friends that night were just joking like, damn, you pulling chicks that we don't we ain't never seen in our city before. But of course, they were sitting there waiting patiently for Jay and Dame, who told them to meet them at the radio station. So this is my fourth Jay-Z interview. It's October 11th, 1997. He was a young star building his label about to go on tour Puff. That was the No Way Out tour. Puff was larger than life at the time after the death of Biggie. He had a big tour. Little Kim was on his tour. The Locks were on his tour. And Jay-Z was on his tour. And they had transitioned to Def Jam. This is their third label. Again, listen to the mogul building in Jay-Z. He was building himself as a mogul in the decisions that we make. In fact, in his interview... I'm like, oh, you're on Def Jam now. And Dame kept interrupting. No, it's a joint venture. They were very sensitive about kind of being attached to a label. Like in this interview, he'll tell you that they were on Priority, which was a label that um, Ice Cube and NWA were on. That was who released Reasonable Doubt. And they didn't like their situation with Priority. So they paid them a million dollars to get out of that deal and then do this joint venture deal with Def Jam, and you can famously remember in the backstage uh, movie that they made about uh, Jay Z, the Hard Knock—I uh, forgot the name of it—Hard Knock Life, or it was a it was a tour movie that they made, and it was this one scene where Dane was getting a haircut, and Kevin Lyles had came and given some folks Def Jam jackets, and he went livid. So now, like. Seeing that, I totally understand listening to this interview where they were at initially. It was like, no, this is a partnership. We have Rockefeller Records. It was all about the brand Rockefeller. You know, they wanted everyone to know that they were on Rockefeller and they basically uh, control their own deal. And this time around, they weren't pushing the Lexus anymore. It was a range, top of the line Range Rover and a 600 Benz. Yes. In this interview, he talked about the significance of In My Lifetime, the title of the album. Again... One of the things about this album was he had Babyface on the album for on a song called Sunshine. I, I don't know how to say this other than, like, Babyface was the biggest artist in R&B at the time, and he was not known to be associated with any hip-hop artists. But in that moment, he did a song with Jay-Z. Like, how do you secure Babyface? Again, who are you? Because you were doing he was doing things unlike any other artist. Again, if you listen to all of these interviews that I've played for you up until this part... He just stood out, and and maybe that's the mogul in him because a mogul is unlike anybody else. You just do things differently, and you go along a path that most people can't understand or fathom. And I and I believe that with Jay Z. I mean, in later years, I want I just want y'all to understand this. In later years, he was on Summer Jam in New York City, and he brings out Michael Jackson on stage with him. Michael Jackson was not guesting on anybody's set on no hardcore hip hop show. That just never happened, but it did, and Jay-Z had that personality and that connection, and he was networking, and he was able to connect with a lot of people that most artists, even established artists that weren't hip-hop artists, you know, could ever make that connection. So in this interview, you hear about the beginnings of the Rockefeller roster, which at that time he was signing several Philly artists, Beanie Siegel, and then the whole uh, state property came after that this is my fourth jay-z interview october 11th 1997 their promotion that year was rocktober because they were releasing not only his uh, second album but they actually were releasing some other albums on rockefeller and they talk about their roster so check this out
1: DJ Sonic uh-huh. representing, yeah
2: what's
3: the deal yeah
1: that's nice little this All Right. yeah you
2: know what I'm saying? We
1: just came out from the restaurant politicking down there, Engine 46 Steakhouse doing our thing. What's up, Jay? True that. Welcome back to Philly. You know what I'm saying? You've been hanging out doing your thing all week. You know what all I'm day, saying? Right does the, does the album have anything to do with that song,
2: or that song? What, what's up with that song? You the, never really put that out on the album. That was the foundation, right there. That was just the song. Set the you stage. Know, set off Rockefeller Records. You know, we was you know going into the uh, stores and hitting them with little three hundred dollars packages. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Going back, get our little record money. So you know that that was the foundation. That was one of the reasons for naming the album in my lifetime. Right. I wanted to take it back there, and of course a lot of things on the album has has to do with you know things that transpired in my lifetime. So it's just appropriate. Okay. You know what I mean?
3: All right. right. Wait, the album is sick. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. sick. It is? Got too you short keep, on you it. Keep,
2: you keep saying it. Sick. Yeah. Too
3: short. Let me let me uh, ask you a
1: question, cause cause I've been this has been puzzling me for 90. the last few weeks now. You always been on some big Willy really stuff on the on the albums. Y'all definitely come correct, and y'all definitely don't don't cut no corners. How the hell did y'all secure babyface for the new single? Just tell me how you did that. Projects how did that oh, happen? Well. And how long politics did it take you to do
3: that? About well. oh, seven months. Seven months. <laughs> that was some politics, oh, yeah. you It was
2: a lot of back and forth talk between his people and our peoples. Right. A lot of times, a conversation even cut. Like we, I'm not messing with y'all. You know what I mean? Right. But well, we just, it just worked out somehow. We just kept the communication open, and then finally just came up in there, and you just. So it he came to New York, or you went
1: to L. Okay, and y'all set up in the studio with babyface? Yeah. Like real
3: recognize real. He the best at what he doing and he wanted to get with the best shit. when he was with Jay Dunn, you know? Okay. You know what I mean? All right. And then you come out with Sunshine. Yeah. And you incorporate Babyface
1: uh-huh, singing uh-huh. an old Alexander O'Neill record. Then uh-huh. you come in with the old hip-hop play. I uh-huh. mean,
2: yeah. how did you come up with that to put that together on that record? I'm trying to bring all worlds together, yo. For real, we trying to get everybody in one party together and have everybody just party together. I mean, I believe in only two musics. You know, good music and bad music. You know, right. know what I mean? We just trying to bring everybody together. And some fun, too. You know what I mean? Let's so have some fun, yeah.
1: All right? That's what's up. You know All what? right. Jay-Z is up in his piece. We definitely doing our thing. It's radioactive. The brand new album is coming out on November 4th. November 4th. Dame, tell him again. It's sick. Sick, this is sick,
3: this is sick. This is sick. sick! You, now, you, you also have sick. a
1: couple other uh, oh on right. your label. Now tell everybody about the Rockefeller label and y'all made a kind of a
2: change from this album from the last album, right? Yeah, because uh, you know we was over at the uh, Priority System. You know things didn't work right over there. You know, so we paid about a million. Yeah, they, they caught us about a million. Yeah, they caught us for like a million. So, Word?
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Y'all gave him a million dollars to get out of uh, the Well, they
3: caught us for a million. Okay. That's like if you sign with us, we'll you know, yeah. give you the million that we owe you. If not, yeah, whatever, man, we out, man.
1: So just what do you do in a situation money. like that? You just you just don't forget about the gotta,
3: money? You, gotta, you can't sacrifice your integrity, man. You know what, okay. what I mean? Yeah. Money okay. you, don't, you don't know what that money would have been spent already. Right.
1: We spent that money So how do you now. like being over at the legendary hip-hop label Def Jam? It's cool. It's
3: cool.
1: Side adventure.
3: It's adventure. It's working
1: out. Yo, man, you about to bounce out and you on your way down to Baltimore now,
2: right? Yeah, this yeah, we're going to take a, it down a mini, to be more, A mini tour right now, right? Yeah, this, you know, a lot of people showing us love on the radios and, you know, a lot of people showing us love in the different states that we trying to get at them, you know what I mean?
0: All right. You know now. What I'm saying?
3: You got
2: this fat tour that you're on with Puff Daddy that's
3: yeah. coming to town, and
2: what? Tell us, every, tell us what, what can we expect from Jay Z? It's coming here on the 29th of November. Yo, I'm I'm like crazy excited to really get out here and get in front of that many people. I'm trying to go on like soon as possible, so if y'all got tickets, y'all better get there because as soon as I get on, I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody feel the same way. You know what I mean? Everybody's coming sick. to bring the best show out. I'm trying to, if they got me going on 7 o'clock, I'm going on 7 o'clock. <laughs> it's going to be sick. It's going to be real good. I'm sure everybody else feel that way, you know? Rockefeller Prize. Yeah, (laughs) we gonna put it down, yo. All right,
1: that's what's up, yo. It's radioactive in full effect. Okay, (laughs) see, in full effect. The brand new album comes out November 4th. And don't forget to pick up that Chris John album. All right. That's hot. Chris John, full of smoke. Full of of smoke. Yeah, I know. know. All right. And are you
2: looking for up-and-coming artists for Rockefeller Records? Right now. we Right now. We we uh we've got so much stuff about to come out. Uh uh-huh. so We got another underground label within Rockefeller called Team Rock. Team right. Rock. Got like the strangers groups. and a bunch of groups Memphis, Memphis Bleak Pasta from coming Ripper. to age, if y'all remember from that. Okay. We got a bunch of artists coming out on that, so... Time is in the rough. Probably after the new year, we're going to start up again. And y'all yeah. putting out mixtapes, too, right? Oh, yeah, oh. yeah. We, oh, we just signed DJ Clue. Yeah. I know y'all bumping his mixtapes in y'all cars daily. Right now, we about to make a mixtape album with him. Just That's sick. Okay. Mad okay. guests on that, too. All right. It's going to be crazy. Well, uh, Rockefeller
3: definitely Robert got. Fella. You got your
2: hands in
1: Everything. Just yeah. trust we're going like to keep our base happy,
3: hell. though. The underground's going to be real happy. That's oh, what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. So we're looking for a, oh, yeah, a, yeah, no a movie, A movie? Yeah, no doubt. Call it my lifetime? Nah. Nah, we got a script. <laughs> y'all, <laughs> got y'all, remember, y'all remember Alpo, AZ, Rick uh-huh. Porter? Uh-huh. Doing a movie about that. You okay. know what I mean. Some real streets. some for yeah. the streets. Okay. AZ, AZ gave us a script. AZ gave us a script. AZ? Not the rapper AZ, The street. Oh, okay. The dude that was sued him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just kind of about his life and things, but it, it yeah. happened uptown. Like, I don't know if you remember, his, Rich Porter, his brother got kidnapped and all that, like, cut his fingers. Mm-hmm. You ever hear about right that? Alpo. Kind a little bit of it. Alpo's yeah. story, that story. Like, uh-huh. it's a lot of things people wanted to know, you know, about what happened around So that. what's the timetable on that? Then so we get off tour. We're working on it. as okay. we get off tour. Yeah. Right, and you, you we got going to be su- in
1: the movie and everything.
3: We got another surprise coming, too. We can't right. talk about it for yeah, the underground.
2: The underground.
3: For the streets. Just All listening. Right. Street streets listening.
1: Be happy.
0: Street just watching. It. Well, it's always good, Jay, for you to come by radioactive and definitely do your thing. And you know Philly is a mad supporter. Thank you for listening to the backstory podcast. If you have not subscribed yet, please do it real quick. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and a rating. And share on your socials so more people can experience the Backstory. There are several ways to get at me on social media, at pcc on all socials, and at Colby Colbe on Twitter, that's C-O-L-B-Y-C-O-L-B, and Official Colby Colbe on Instagram and Facebook. On the next episode of the Backstory Podcast, we are going to talk about the original GOAT, LL Cool J Phenomenon When I wrote that album I wrote a book At the same time Right While I was writing That album And I I was doing A TV show And I think that Affected the, the album This is the Backstory podcast